You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch Season 2 episode, Pabu. I am, of course, your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, uh, my co-host, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Tongs Days, am I right? <laughs> Tongs Days. Wrong show. Wrong show. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. It's we'll today. It's today. Uh, You're right, it's today. Don't matter. <clears throat> um, yeah, man. Uh, once again... Once again, I mean, like, I'm not 100% sure how you're feeling about it. I have a, I have an idea. I have, I have, I have an inkling. <laughs> but um, once again, I, <laughs> we get, we got the Tongs Day double dose. Mm-hmm. I, I, which I think is what we're gonna dub it <laughs> from here on out. Uh, we've only, <laughs> okay we've only got a couple. Uh, we've only got a few left, right? We've only got three left. Yeah, two but, more, or two, two more. more left. Yeah, but, yeah, three uh, episodes, but two three more, episodes, like, two more, yeah. two more. Yeah, Wednesdays. Right. So, yeah. um, man, killer killer great episode of bad batch um a nice breather before we go into finale territory right like mm-hmm. you can definitely yeah. feel that this one was oh, like the setup the setup slow was it, there yeah slow yeah. it down take a breath everything's about to go horribly wrong give, you guys give them hope so that we can take it away yeah um and uh and then uh, and then obviously i mean uh, uh if if you're not already listening to joe and i over on force perspectives make sure that you head over there uh, subscribe to the feed because we'll be recording an episode talking about Mando right after we're done recording this episode about Bad Batch. Um, and it's such a joy right now to be doing it because like both of these shows are just firing on all cylinders. What yeah. amazing Star Wars. There is absolutely nothing to complain about. Are there little things that we can nitpick here and there? Absolutely. You can do that with anything. But the reality of the situation is that for now, three weeks in a row, we have been getting two Star Wars shows on the same day, putting out banger after banger after banger. It's unbelievable. Like, I just, <laughs> uh, but, but I also just, I feel like the last, the whole last year, I mean, like, like, I talk about it all the time. Book of Boba Fett had its issues. It was definitely uneven. It was definitely a little bit weird. Not in the fun, weird way, but just in the like, huh, that was an odd choice. But um, Obi-Wan, start to finish, phenomenal show. Andor, start to finish, incredible. Willow was... Uh, no past tense. It's too no, soon. I know. It, it was a like transcendental uh, uh, gift that we were given. Um, <laughs> I, that we'll be lucky if we ever get again, right? Like... Uh, all this Lucasfilm stuff has just been, and in there we also got Tales of the Jedi. Uh, mm. I and you know, Heart. like, 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 holy crap! Like, what a what an embarrassment of riches as Star Wars fans. If you're out there and you're complaining, which I know that like this audience is not that audience. And here's the thing: when we did Frontlines back in the day, like at that sort of at the height of it, and like seasons three and four, 
um, when when everybody was watching Clone Wars and it was the biggest thing in Star Wars because there wasn't anything else for it to compete with. I, you know, we had we were numbering in the thousands of listeners per episode, right? And uh, there's two things going on there. Podcast metrics back in the day were uh, were wonky. Um, in particular, Libsyn, which is who we used to host with, were really, really bad about about beefing your download numbers um, and, and like, like just really, really pumping them up. And then uh, what's called the IAB, which is the International Advertising Bureau, uh, came in and started regulating it. Started saying, you guys can't just make up metrics because all of the different podcast providers the different um, hosting providers were just making up their own metrics by which they were uh, uh, counting downloads, right? So it used to be that like a download, which is how we sort of figure out users, was like anytime anybody ever interacted with the file at all, right? Oh, so really? You, okay. Yeah. So like you loaded the page and it started to load it without even playing the file. That counts really? as a download. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, so no nowadays so nowadays it counts complete downloads. And then on top of that, like iTunes has its own stats. Google Podcast Manager has its own stats. I think Spotify does, but I don't really dig into Spotify that much. We don't have a lot of listeners on Spotify. But um, I know that I can see stats on like how many people, but I think that I can also see like how long they listen to it. We can get all of those metrics nowadays, right? And and all of that is to say that like the audience that we have now for rebel cells is not nearly, it's a, it's a fraction of a fraction of what we had on in on front lines back in the day. But here's the thing. I know for a fact that those of you that listen on a regular basis, week in and week out, like, first of all, I know who many of you are, which is, <laughs> I, I, I think great. Like, I don't know. I, th- there's a thing in a, as a podcaster where like you want, you want as many people as possible listening to the podcast. You want to be successful. I mean, like I would love to do this as my day job instead of it being a hobby. Right. But um, I probably, probably not in the cards for me, but um, never say never. But at this juncture, I don't think 15 years, I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, but at the same time, I've had a massive audience like that with, with quiver. We had that massive audience of like upwards of like 10, 15 K per episode at mm-hmm. the height during season two, right after we interviewed Stephen Amell. I mean, right after we interviewed Stephen Amell, it was in the like 30 K downloads for like those first few episodes right after that, um, which is expected. But then, then it drops off as people realize that he's not going to be on every episode. Which um, is <laughs> like, yeah, of course it was an interview guys, but <laughs> I, I, but I'll tell you this, that actually kind of sucked. <laughs> because it's not enough to make money, but it is enough to be a headache. It is enough to have to deal with like all of the idiots that all of a sudden show up to your Facebook page sure. and, your, and yeah. your Facebook group and stuff like that and start causing trouble. And and it's too many idiots to moderate. So at a certain point, you kind of just give up, which is what, what we ended up kind of doing with Quiver. Um, and then And then eventually that died down because the show got crappy. Arrow, not Quiver. I think I think Amanda and I were always pretty good, but I I but yeah, eventually like those numbers uh, uh, sort of d- diminished. And the thing that happened with the Star Wars stuff is that like more and more and more Star Wars podcasts came up. But 
because back when we were doing front lines, there was like 10 of us that were putting out regular episodes every week. Mm. Uh, and then there were like, you know, another hundred podcast star Wars podcasts with six episodes that stopped. Um, it was just a totally different time. Right. But, but like I was saying, all of that to say that like the people that are here, I know that you guys listening week in, week out, you guys are the cool people. You can hang. We're good. And you know what's up. So you're not the ones going out there and going like, oh, this is a filler episode. Uh, but I guarantee that that is absolutely happening with this episode. Because this is an episode that is not about the plot. It is about the characters. And the character moments in this episode are uh, like they're magic, dude. They're like, they're, it, they're pure joy. And it's like... You like we said at the beginning. You know that this is a bait and switch. Yeah, you know it's a bait and there's switch. There's no question. But it doesn't matter. You're still like, oh my god, look at this perfect little life that they could have. Look how great, look how great it could be. They're all so happy, right? Omega has made a friend and has companionship, which she has not had. F- fleeting moments of it over the last two seasons, right? But somebody her own age, a contemporary that she can build a relationship with um, and have a best friend sort of thing. Like, and, and, and Hunter being, being the most dad out of the group is, is just happy because of that. Like just by virtue of just by seeing Omega happy, he's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see him like, like genuinely legitimately happy when he says, go have fun yeah like the animation on his face is like it's it's a different emotion than we've ever seen on hunter's face before and like that attention to detail is just so amazing and then uh wrecker i i'm full it's like i'm finally (laughs) full and and then here's the dessert and he's like i love this place um yeah like just overjoyed for him like he's just he's just like like absolutely in 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 his his in his bliss in that moment and then just the hints of it just the hints of this potential romance between fee and tech (laughs) tina was like uh out of all the bad batch members if you told me tech would be the one to lose his virginity first i would not have (laughs) believed you um <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> the moment towards the end of the episode when they're gonna like they gotta go out get up to do the ladders the g- grappling and, hug yeah and he does the grappling hook and then he's like hold on and she grabs Smooth him and i guy. was like i was like oh my god if you yeah. weren't on board for this ship already it has <laughs> set sail you guys we're off like this there's no denying that we're supposed to feel a way about these two together um and they have like at the end of the episode like sort of in the montage towards the end the two of them have a couple of moments in that like wordless Mm -hmm. moments that are just like yeah i don't like this this episode although it is not it's not the the empire has nothing to do with it and it's not about you know um uh this dramatic thing or or whatever cloning uh you know conspiracy or blah 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 whatever stuff regardless of of it you know missing all of those elements which we've come to enjoy so much in bad batch this is 
this is the core of the plot, right? Because there's an aspect here of like they've been surviving and just going from place to place and and Sid has been taking advantage of them, which couldn't be the way that they've played that out is not how I expected it to go. But I do really like the way that they're that they're doing this. And I think I think instead of killing Sid, I think they're actually setting her up as a as an adversary, um, which will be interesting to see that turn. But I I the like this is like this is the plot of the show you have to get them here to this moment so that they can have something worth fighting for they haven't they yeah. haven't had this before now all of a sudden they have a home right like pabu is is a home it can be and when the empire shows up next week it's going to it's going to be rough, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and I don't know how that's going to happen or why, but, um, well, I know why thematically story-wise it's going <laughs> to happen, but, but like in terms of like, you know, like what, what chain of events, you know, leads to them being discovered on Pabu, but. I mean, but, I feel like Sid has to have some kind of like tracking device on the ship or something and rats mm-hmm. them out. And I feel like I so. what else could possibly lead them back? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it'll either be that or it'll be Echo and Rex contacting them for help. And in the process, somebody piggybacking on that and and mm, um, okay. and 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 giving away their location. Right. Them not them not knowing. Um, but then also like Hemlock might just be scouring the galaxy and it might just be like a probe droid situation. Right. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but you can tell that it's coming, right? There's as much as this episode ends hopeful and optimistic. Um, we know better, (laughs) right? We know better. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's such a, bittersweet like sort of melancholy episode because that for everything good that's happening you can tell like this can't last this can't last and 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 you also like because it's a show you're like where well where's the conflict in this one so when's it gonna where's this gonna go bad right where's this when are we gonna just just when are we gonna find out that the mayor is you know i don't know chopping up children to make the sushi Dude, right? the like, whole time I, I was like this is a trap there's something yeah. wrong here this can't yeah. be real um but but it ended up just being a man versus nature story mm-hmm. um and uh and and that just being the conflict but it's um it actually you know it's funny it reminded me a lot of karate kid too i <laughs> in part two when the when the storm hits and then sure, you yeah. know like like that's like like Daniel is already kind of like accepted by the village and everything in Okinawa, but but um but it's in that moment that like like that, you know, the bad guy ends up having a change of heart because of it and like all of that stuff that happens in that it's like it it reminded me a lot of that. It reminded mm. me a lot of that. And and there were a lot of like there were a lot of Japanese cultural influences on Pabu, uh, uh just as like sort of from a design perspective the 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 giant bonsai tree at the top right and the the um the statue itself being being a bonsai as well i i and um being very like i mean that's very japanese that that jade 
sculpture. Mm. Um, so yeah, like like there was, and then and then all the sushi, <laughs> obviously all the sushi yeah. was was very clearly meant to be, you know, which is cool. I love it. I love it when they take um, a real world culture as an influence, but then like they springboard from there. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause the, um, cause the buildings also like when the, when everything got washed out, the buildings all looked like barnacles, right? Like, oh, when, yeah, like true. when the, when the tide recedes, yeah. um, at like the way that like you would look down on the, on, on like rocks or whatever at like appearance, see like all the barnacles, all of the destroyed buildings looked like bar. They didn't before that, but after they had gotten sort of uh, demolished by the wave, by the 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 sea surge the the they looked like barnacles on on the ocean floor sort of thing i was like that's like there's just there was a lot of really cool design stuff in this one um i have more stuff that i want to talk about in this episode but i've been talking for almost 15 minutes straight at this point um with very little of your input so i want to stop (laughs) and allow you to say some stuff but but i just i think i've got out like the majority of my uh gushing about this episode but how did you uh, how did you like it, Joe? I mean, honestly, you kind of articulated a lot of my feelings already. But uh, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I don't feel so. I definitely am happy with the one two punch of, of this and Mando this week. Um, obviously, this episode was a lot slower paced than the last mm-hmm. two we were getting, which I'm totally fine with because I understand the purpose of it. I liked everything that went on. Uh, oh man, I'm so excited for the fee tech ship. I am the captain on that ship. Let's go. <laughs> um, I, I have questions on how and what you might think about where that's actually going. Um, really every, I mean, you know, the grappling hook kind of sealed it for me because at first I was like, am I reading into this? Am I not reading into this? Because like, I feel like a lot of things were obvious, but then other things weren't. Because there was that that one moment when they arrived on Pabu and Fee went her way to go put the treasure away and Tech kind of lingered. And I was wondering why he lingered and didn't say something like, oh, let me go with you or like, I, I'm not really sure what that moment was supposed to be. Um, I don't know if that was tech, like working out in his head, like, Oh, she likes us. We're, we're here. Like, I, I, I don't understand what caused him to linger other than, okay. So maybe he has feelings for her too. And, and is figuring it out. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts, th- thoughts, thoughts on that were Mike. Um, Cause like I was trying yeah. to work that out and I really, I got nothing. I think, I think, I think the second half of the season tech has been on a bit of a journey of mm. um, sort of self, uh, not necessarily self-actualization, but more, more like self-realization. Um, yeah. I think that there are things about himself that he, that he's always known, but that um, there there's, I can't remember exactly what he says in this episode, but but there's a moment where he's kind of like, I guess we never considered that. Like, I can't, I can't believe I never thought of like, like, uh, what, what was, what were they in? What they in they were looking at the beauty of the lights turning on and he says, Oh, yeah. beautiful. That's one way to quantify it or something yeah, 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 along those lines. And it's like, there, there are all of these moments with him lately where he's starting to, um, 
Well, that, there's the it's the uh, there's also the moment where that where he's talking to Fee and she's like she's like you know you guys could stay here, and and Omega could have a real life and she like she's got uh, she has she has other things to learn not <clears throat> just soldier stuff right mm-hmm. and Tech is kind of like well what what else is there right and yeah. he, he, but but he's because he just he they've never known anything else yeah right. And that's and that's the point of this episode. Him saying that is a very pointed way of setting up that they're about to be opened up to a whole other world. And this is why they haven't been able to join the fight yet, because they haven't had something to fight for. Right. But now they have Pabu. They belong. Uh, The mayor says at the end where he's like, like, you guys are welcome here now like you're part of this community now right mm-hmm. um by virtue of their actions and uh so like they've earned that and so now they have a home they have something to fight for which they they had they had a home in topoka but not really because they never felt welcome there right it was always it was always tenuous even though it was home and they had their bunk and and uh and and you know like like it was it was the place that they return to and it was a place of security for a time it getting destroyed obviously changes that forever but it also it's also important to note that like they never they never truly belonged yeah the regs the regs never treated them like yeah the regs never treated and they weren't kaminoan right they were they were a commodity to the kaminoans um they were soldiers to the republic and they were like garbage to the empire mm-hmm. right um and so i uh, now they like they're in a community that sees them as the individuals that they are and doesn't acknowledge them at any point in this as clones but just as hunter tech wrecker and omega right um and welcomes them and values them right so like that's like that that's such a major transformation and then i think along those lines as well tech is starting to realize that things that i think he never considered to be a part of his life like as a possibility are now becoming possibilities right Mm -hmm. so his relationship with omega has definitely opened him up to that um and and this 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 budding relationship with fee I think is, is, is really, it's not, he's, he's tech. Right. And it's, and that, that line about him, him, like that's one way to quantify it sort of thing is him going like, Oh yeah, I don't think about this stuff, but you're right. Right. So he's not arguing it. Yeah. He's he, but he is like, he's been, he's been almost like willfully ignorant to it because they've been fighting a war and the war is over. And that I think ultimately is about is what the show is about is how do you transition from the war, like, like soldiers coming home. Right. But Mm. it's soldiers coming home, but these soldiers never had a home. Like that's the, that's the genre sci-fi aspect of it is that like the, the bad batch in particular exemplify this, but for all the clones, they were they don't they have family because they have each other but they don't have 
parents, they don't have a place that they're from. They have a place where they were created, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a republic that they fought for, but that republic is gone. So there's all of this stuff going on. And that's and this this is why we saw Cut Laquane. He was the first character that we met after after they they left the empire right like there's a reason for that and it's because cut realized this in the midst of the war that like that this is not a war worth fighting we're we're disposable to the republic and the republic is just a regime and like regimes fall and are replaced by new regimes all the time they're not worth dying for right like that was sort of his mentality was like like this is what's worth dying for family is what's worth dying for it's what what's worth fighting for and um so having that be be really like the beginning of the series after the pilot right after the two part pilot um and then book ended here with pabu with them finally finding the place where they belong it's uh, i i think i don't think that that's a coincidence that's what the show's about so to, so for anybody who would dare to call this filler you're not watching the right show like like that's just either there's one of two things here you're either not watching the right show or you're watching the show wrong right like that's yeah it's people it, expecting the high octane stuff every week has to be a new cameo every week has to be yeah crosshairs on their tail and who's who's dying and like all this like it's it's all got to be high stakes all the time yeah. i i don't understand how anyone thinks that's a realistic expectation to have if you want any sort of growth and change like if you're not laying your foundation blocks for the story to actually do what it needs to do like that's well i mean they're they're comparing apples to oranges right because they're looking at something like Andor or obi-wan kenobi and they're comparing mando and bad batch to that which like they are not Right. Mm. Mando is a little bit more serialized, but each week is about something. Each week has its sure. own theme. It has its own plot of, you know, like we're here, we're going to do this. Occasionally there's ones that, that, that sort of bleed from one into the next, but bad batch, even more than that, like bad batch is a, is a cartoon show. Um, and it, it, it uses that medium of like a Saturday morning cartoon. You could drop into any one of these episodes and enjoy it without context, without having to see all of them. Um, but then it also has a serialized storyline running through it. Right. So I think that people get confused by that because of the era of television that we're in, where people are watching the last of us, they're watching and, or they're watching, uh, uh, you know, rings of power and, and all of these shows and they, they want it to be, um, binge worthy, you know, Stranger Things, one episode goes right into the next episode and they don't stand alone. Like Stranger Things is a great example of a show that I could never just jump in and watch an episode. Right. Like like that. What a what a pointless endeavor that would be yeah. to just jump into the middle of season two and watch an episode. <laughs> I don't have a favorite episode of Stranger Things. I have favorite plot lines of Stranger Things. Right. Like I, I love the whole like E.T. Gremlins thing in season two. Um, with the Demogorgon, I think that that's like, like that always stands out to me as one of the things that I always have the most fun with. But, but that's like a thing that's going throughout the entire season. That's like one thread that's throughout all of the episodes, right? And that's I think what a lot of people our age are now 
acclimated to and expect. And it's like, that's not what this is. Um, I'm getting ready to record an episode of perfect 10 about gargoyles. And, and so I've been thinking a lot about that. And, um, and I just not that long ago finished a rewatch of seasons one and two of gargoyles and uh, season three is not worth, worth watching you guys. Um, <laughs> I, I, Greg Weissman doesn't consider it Canon. The comics that have come out since like are are like they retcon season three. It doesn't exist. Um, but, uh, and there's a whole story behind that. Tune into perfect 10 for more on that. I'm sure, I'm sure Candace and I will talk about it, but I, uh, um thinking about that show and thinking about like there is a continuity in that show and like this uh, because what i think about when i think about gargoyles is how ahead of its time it was because it's in the time like it's a disney afternoon show airing alongside darkwing duck and you know tailspin and goof troop right like i which are all one-off episodes maybe you get a two-parter of darkwing every once in a while maybe Uh, and (laughs) and you know um DuckTales will keep out of that because DuckTales actually has a lot of like three and four parter stories, but, um, and there, there is actually continuity throughout DuckTales through the original 1980s DuckTales. Uh, but Gargoyles came in, in, in 90, what is that? Like 93 or 94. And, I uh, and all of a sudden has this, like this, this continuity running through it. Spider-Man and X-Men were doing the same thing, right? They all, they all kind of like, showed up at the same time doing this that nobody had done before. But at the same time, the episodes are all self-contained more or less, right? You might have a two-parter here or, you know, like a, 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 a through line that goes through a couple of episodes, but at the same time, they're all, they are also all self-contained, but, but we've kind of lost that. There aren't a lot of shows like that anymore, right? Because of streaming services and the nature of them. But Bad Batch is designed to be watched one episode at a time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like even Clone Wars didn't do it, right? Because even mm. Clone Wars towards the end, every story was a two or three or four. Yeah, everything was arc, multi-part, yeah. Right. So um there aren't there aren't a lot of single episode stories in the last three seasons of Clone Wars. Um I mean one of Mike, the all I did was ask you why you thought Tech lingered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I answered that part already, right? But, but yeah, it, so I, I don't know. Like I, I follow, just, though. I, I follow They, they don't, um, they're just, like, we're just not acclimated to it anymore. And also, people are watching this show like it's for them. And, mm. and you know, because the people that this discourse is coming from are, you know, 35 to 50-year-old, mostly white men. I, I, who think that Star Wars is only for them because it was always for them in their eyes, I, which it was never for them. I mean, I, I think if you were to ask George, he would have been like, no, this is for everybody. <laughs> like, I, I wrote these stories. Leia's in there for a reason, you guys. Like, it's, it's, and she's the character that she is for a reason. Um, but I, I, but they, but these guys have this wrong-headed notion that Star Wars belongs to them, which we've talked about many times. Uh, and because of that, they can't understand. It's not, it's not for them anymore. But it is still for the eight to thirteen-year-old in them, right? Like it, mm. like you just you have to. 
you have to re- remind yourself of that constantly when you're watching these shows that that's who these stories are for. These are morality tales for young, you know, pre-adolescence, right? Not even teenagers, but like like that that tween age, right? Um, to prepare them for the next stage of their lives. And and we the issue that we have right now is that we have something like Andor, which is absolutely for us, right? Like Andor is not for kids. It's not for eight to thirteen year olds. It's actually like my as I've talked about a million times. That's my primary issue with it is that like I feel that that's who Star Wars should be for. If I was going to tell a Star Wars story, that's who I'd be telling it for. But um, but Andor is definitely for an adult audience. And uh, uh, not because it's like graphic or mature in that way, but because just like the 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 plot lines that they're dealing with are very difficult sociological questions that are being mm. posed about like morality and what's right and what's wrong. It's a lot of really murky stuff. And like, you know, where's the line between hero and terrorist, right? Like, what's the difference between, you know, it. it as a prisoner, if you kill a guard, is it okay if that guard is a bad guy, right? Like, like at what? where's the line on that, right? That's not what we're dealing with on Bad Batch. The bad guys are the bad guys and the good guys are the good guys, except for that one bad guy who we want to be a good guy right now, right? So, um, so I, I just want to make sure I understand yeah. what you're saying about Andor. You're saying you have a problem, not that you have a problem with it, but like that's yeah. that's your your criticism of that, I guess, or what, what it's, it's not, what's it's your not phrasing a, of it? That yeah, it's, it's not a criticism. It, it like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And Andor is phenomenal. It's exceptional, which is the word that I always use for it. So we shouldn't judge other star Wars by Andor because Andor is like head and shoulders above the rest of this stuff that we're getting right now. Like since mm-hmm. Disney bought star Wars, Andor is the most sophisticated story that they've told. Um, And that's coming from somebody who loves The Last Jedi, which I think is also a very sophisticated story. But it's sophisticated on like a mythic archetype fairy tale level, whereas Andor is a political suspense thriller, right? Um, And so like that, like all of that is great. But what I always say about Andor is that if you took away the Star Wars stuff, and you repainted it as a Blade Runner show, you don't have to change the plot at all, mm. right? Like, like at all. If you replace the Empire with corporations and you replace the setting with with locations from from Blade Runner and Total Recall, right? Like, like the the things that are mentioned in those films and those stories and the Philip K. Dick stuff. If you went back to the source material, like you could absolutely just repaint Andor as. Uh, like you could reskin that as a Blade Runner story and it would be perfect, pitch perfect. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. I think that Blade Runner, I mean, by virtue of the fact that Harrison Ford is in Blade Runner, I think it has connective tissue, but I also think that just in terms of sci-fi and, and, and genre storytelling, there's connective tissue between Blade Runner and Star Wars. But um, like, like it's, it's not, Star Wars for me when it's at its best is fairy tale and it's 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 mythic and it uses archetypes and Andor subverts all of that to tell a very different type of story which is which is also good that's also a good thing to do it's just for me 
the types of stories that I get the most value out of in Star Wars are not the ones that point out to me how, you know, evil humanity can be, but the opposite, right? Um, like I want, I want Star Wars stories that are hopeful and Andor is not, and will not by the end of it be hopeful. It's it, like the, the hopeful part, like that turn happens in Rogue One, right? Like Andor is about despair. <laughs> like that's, that's what the whole series, it's about loss and grief and despair. Um, and, and, you know, f- fighting for what you've already lost, um, which is all great storytelling the way it's being executed it's just it just doesn't feel like star wars to me you know um not not in the way that something like tales of the jedi did where even <clears throat> even in even in dooku's story there are these moments of we talked about it when we covered it right like we know where dooku's going we know he's going to turn but we watch that and we watch Yaddle plead with him and we still in those moments, just like in revenge of the Sith, we still go, oh, maybe this time you won't do it. Right. Like maybe this time, <laughs> maybe this time her words will connect. Maybe this time Obi-Wan will get through to Anakin. Maybe this time he'll listen to Padme. Right. And he won't go down this path and it won't lead to the destruction of everything. Right. Um, but like and and to me like it's it and then they do and you're left with that as the story but we know where that story goes which is to luke and leia um and then eventually to ray right and so like we know that like the galaxy will be fine it you know it all comes out in the wash eventually the force balances itself but 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 we do still we do still even in those dark moments have those those glimmers of hope and or doesn't have that Right. This is funny. We're in the middle of our rebel cells, uh, uh, Pabu episode, but I think like it's, it is, it's salient to have this conversation in relation to this episode, because that's like this episode, the reason why it connects for me, the reason why it resonates and sitting up at one o'clock in the morning, I was not bored. I did not lose interest. I was completely 100% engaged from start to finish because this was the episode where the, bad batch find something to fight for i've said that now i think like 10 times in this episode right (laughs) but it is so important because it is the core of what needs to happen in order for the next part of the story to happen in order for them to fight back against the empire they can't do that if they don't have something and and like on andor like cassian has something to fight for now, right? That season one is all about that. So uh, I don't want to really spoil anything because it's still pretty fresh, I think. But but the way that that season ends and and the loss in, at the end of that season, like the 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 difference there is that like um I think of an F, I think of what's coming in Bad Batch as you know the spark that will light the fire that will <laughs> burn the empire to the ground. Right. Like, like, you know, I, I hold those words that, that Poe adopts and I, that, that meant something until rise of Skywalker came out. Um, I, it, a, a spark that became a flame that fizzled out into nothing. Uh, and then, it, and then, Oh my God, in that movie, when he's like, it's over, we lost. And I'm like, 
what was the point of the last Jedi? You guys <laughs> Poe is supposed to be the one guy that never gives up. Right. Like that's like, that was his journey. And that was like, he was already the guy that never gives up hope, but, and that's why Leia took him under her wing. But anyways, that's what, like, that's what we're building to here is, is the spark that's going to light the fire that will be the bad batch and the clones. That's going to lead to the rebellion, right? That like, these guys are going, we're going to discover by the end of this show that, that the bad batch were integral in whatever part of the rebellion they, they, um, I, I contribute to that leads to the rebel Alliance that we know in the original trilogy. That's what all of these stories in the dark times are about is about how do we get from hopelessness in revenge of the Sith to a new hope. Right. Um, and, and, Luke is the last piece of that. Like he always has to be the last piece of that. And when he falls into place, like, I mean, it's almost, that's the prophecy, right? Is that like, he'll bring, bring balance to the force. He is the chosen one. Right. I, I, and so like everything else is about setting up all of this foundation, all of these other stories, whether it's bad batch or, and, or, or rebels or rogue one or, uh, Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor, right? Like, like the Jedi series, like all of this stuff, the Ahsoka novel that is maybe or not canon, I don't know, but whatever. Um, all of that is about laying the foundation for the Re- Rebel Alliance that Luke will then become the the beacon for, and then they'll win. They'll 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 finally they'll have a Jedi and they'll win, right? Um. So that's like that to me is like that's that is exciting and fun and and mythic and like there's a fairy tale aspect to that. But then on Andor, what we have is um Cassian is a gun and the and what happens over the course of the season of the first season of Andor is that the Empire is unknowingly putting bullets in that gun. <laughs> And that gun is then going to turn around and be used against them. Right. And that's because Cassian is a conflicted hero, right? Like he's a, like he's a, he's an anti-hero and I, I rub up against anti-hero stories. It's not my thing. Like I just, uh, I think we grew up in the era of anti-heroes. Right. Yeah. Um, and and as a result, like it's oversaturated and overdone. And, and so for me, there's a there's a cynicism in an anti-hero that when it's done well can be really good um i'll use john wick as an example i think that john wick is an anti-hero absolutely i mean like he's a hitman and he murders hundreds of people over the course of the three <laughs> movies that are out and the fourth one that's coming i'm sure will be no different right um and he does he it in technically the most a serial ways. killer well it, exactly right like <laughs> and right, yet like and yet his actions are altruistic from his point of view. And because we're in it with him for the ride, we take on that same thing. And I mean, what it all comes down to is like, you, you guys killed his dog. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. so come on, like what better, what better way to set that, that wheel in motion than with something that no one is going to argue with, which yeah, is like, the audience. you guys, <laughs> the audience is on his, your side. The yeah. His wife, his wife dies. And she leaves him this puppy as like a, Hey, 
this puppy is to help you deal with your grief of losing me so that you don't lose yourself. And then these guys come and they kill that dog. And I'm getting like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because <laughs> then he goes on this Greek, uh, odyssey of murder <laughs> through what will be four movies next week i think it comes out um oh really that soon yeah i think so uh it's either this week or next week i think this week is shazam and next week is is uh, okay yeah is shazam Wick. is tomorrow yeah um yeah i i yeah and and it's like when we root for him we absolutely root for him so like there are anti-hero stories that i love and i adore john wick would be one of them i'll also go like the blade trilogy like blade is an anti-hero and i love him but and and i really enjoy the venom movies but the venom movies are so subversive to the venom character that that's why i love them i was like venom doesn't need his own movie he's lame he's dumb venom without spider-man is not a character right i and then they made those venom movies and i was like oh these are romantic comedies about a man and his uh uh and his symbiote life partner right like and and so and like i love both of those movies and i hope that they're gonna make this third one um and i hope that it literally just starts and he's got the spider on his chest he's just got like the big white spider on his chest and when somebody like says something about it he's like the symbiote's just gonna be like in eddie's head like talking about spider-man which like the tie into no way home right uh like just talking about how how cool spider-man was and like that's we need to, that's what we need to be like we need to be <laughs> like spider-man and then eddie just being angry about that being jealous of a spider-man that doesn't exist in their world um anyways that's a real tangent to get off on but listen here's a here's a here's a a a, a, a bomb that i'll drop the first venom movie perfect 10 it's a perfect really. 10. I mean, yeah. I love that movie. I think it's very silly and fun. Yeah. Perfect 10 though. Wow. It's a it's a perfect 10 and it's a perfect 10 because what is a perfect 10? A perfect 10 is not object it's not an objective uh measuring method, right? Like it is absolutely subjective. So for me, it's a perfect 10. There's not a thing I would change about that first set of movie. There's not a thing. There's not a piece of it that I would change. When he gets in the lobster tank, that is peak cinema as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that was that was a great scene. It's peak cinema. And yeah, it just Venom's so good. So like there are anti-hero stories that I like, but I think that anti-hero stories need to for me, in order for them to work, they need to acknowledge that they are anti-hero stories. And Andor has yet to acknowledge that. Andor has continued to glorify the fact that like our lead character is a is is not yet i mean he he does murder people in the first season um and he does so like it's sort of um accidental i don't know if i would call it accidental but it is like it's a it's a happenstance murder rather than it's not premeditated it's in the heat of the moment and it happens right to set set off the episode the series season but Cassian, as we know, because we know where he ends and we know based on what he says in Rogue One, we know what he's done, what he will do. Mm. We know that Cassian is a murderer, right? Like he is uh, he is somewhat irredeemable, which is what makes his redemption so meaningful, right? Like which like that's what makes his his turn in in Rogue One such an important part of that story and and worth going back and telling the rest of this story but the the show 
is kind of glorifying that aspect of him and it's not and maybe season two will do will do it differently like maybe we just had to get to this point but we very much are rooting for him to go down the path of the dark side because that's what he's doing right like in terms of star wars choice and it's and and to relate this back to Bad Batch, so that we're not just talking about Andor and other stuff in this episode about Bad Batch. That's like we see Crosshair on the same path. That's what was good about last week's episode. Is that last week's episode? Crosshair murdered the the lieutenant. I can't remember his name, but I I uh, Nolan. Nolan Nolan yeah I he murders him. And yet we we read that as as the beginning of Crosshair's return to the light side <laughs> because it's a because it's a it's a righteous kill. Right. Right. Um, and and we'll, I think that we'll get we've gotten that with with Andor as well of like we definitely feel that way. But at the same time, um, there there I don't know. There's just something there's just something more ruthless about about cassian i think it's the fact that it's all choice for him with with crosshair there's the chip and there's his past his backstory good soldiers follow orders and a belief system that he has that he's indoctrinated into that he feels that he needs to follow that's why we cheer for him when he when he kills nolan right because that's actually like that's he's finally breaking that dogma yeah and he's finally he's finally returning back to the light he's doing the thing that the rest of the bad batch are doing now the rest of the bad batch have progressed along that storyline and are no longer murdering people right they're no longer killing like it's still the war they now most of the time we see them using um the stun blast right particularly on the clones mm. uh they like they have that compassion so well, well sometimes. <laughs> sometimes other times they're blowing them up from their ship yeah yeah it's true um but yeah it, so so like they're, they're like i think crosshair still has a ways to go but we recognize that because we're in a hopeful story with that one we recognize that as a step back towards the light Whereas I, I really firmly feel that like the story of Cassie and Andor, we know for a fact that it literally Andor will end in the beginning of Rogue One, of him of him walking down that crowded street to go kill his informant. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like like that Cassian, he's not a hero at that point. He becomes a hero over the course of that story. But at that point, he is not a hero. He is actually like he is he is doing all of the wrong things for the right reasons. Right. And it's very much like Luthen is foreshadowing that when he has his whole speech about about, you know, like like I've given up everything. I've sacrificed everything to become this person um i i you know what was it for like, like a sunset i'll never see or something uh, yeah a, a, a yeah sunrise. A, a, a sunrise that i'll never see right um and and uh which is which is a very very obvious reference to the end of rogue one right yeah. like it's a poetic reference to the end of rogue one um which that moment is the beginning of the end of the empire right so yeah like like they like i don't know like i i 
I have watched every episode of Andor and I will watch every episode of season two. And it is a phenomenal show. It is so well made. It is so good, but it is, um, I don't know. Did I use this analogy already? If you've seen the movie Lightyear, they have the, the, the hyper fuel that they have to make. Um, like that's what that whole movie's about is that like, they're trying to get the right mixture of elements in order to make the fuel crystal so that they can repair their ship and get off of the planet that they're stranded on. Right. And the, the reference in it is to, um, in toy story, they've got that when they go to uh, pizza planet, they've got the, the slurpy machines that are in like the rocket ship, the, mm-hmm. the slurpy machines that like, I, I, it's 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 rocket fuel right and so the 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 rocket fuel in Lightyear is the slurpy stuff like it comes out like the slurpy stuff but then turns into the crystal um and it and it's like it's a it's a matter of like it's like four colors and it's like oh we got to get like the right balance of these four elements in order to make the fuel crystal so that we can i i travel faster than light without um uh, without time dilation issues um and and i i always like i look at that that part of that story and it's like that's how i see star wars is that like you get you get the original star wars that sets the template the original trilogy right and so it's like it's got this mix and and you know even within those three movies the mix alters slightly from movie to movie right of like silliness seriousness you know epic hero stuff right like we could break it down into whatever elements you want but it's got like it has the it, there's a balance to it and we're now in this point with star wars where we've got so many projects happening and so many people experimenting with it that you've got you know the force awakens which is JJ looking at the recipe for a new hope and putting in the exact same mix that George put into that. And it's like, okay, cool. You did that, but you didn't really do that. George did that. And that's the (laughs) thing I think that rings hollow for a lot of people is that it's like, okay, JJ, that's fine. You did it. You did a really good job of dissecting and replicating what George did, which like that's JJ's calling card. That's what he does. Right. He looks at other people's work he picks it apart into its component pieces and then re- reassembles it into a new movie, which is cool. I, like, I don't like, I mean like that's what, that is also what George did to make star Wars. Right. But George didn't disassemble star Wars to make star Wars. He disassembled Kurosawa and uh, you know, spaghetti Westerns and uh, you know, uh, medieval fantasy tropes and all of these things. He disassembled all of those things and then took the pieces that he wanted and reassembled them into star Wars, flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, all of that stuff. Right. Um, and then you get Ryan Johnson who, who comes along and goes, I see what, what, like, I see what these components are. I'm going to get mine from new places, the same places that George got them from Kurosawa, right. I, you know, mythic archetypes, old West stuff. And then he's like, but I'm going to add a little bit of dash of my own spices too. I'm going to put some feminism in there. I'm going to put, put some heroines journey because it's, you know, you know, it's, we're, we're past the year 2000. So let's, let's, let's maybe, let's maybe spice this up a little bit with something that's not just for boys. Uh, intentionally. Right. I, I, 
and and so then that story becomes its own thing and that's i think where a lot of people that resonate with the last jedi that's why they resonate with it and then you end up with chris terrio doing a photocopy a bad photocopy of a photocopy where he's like he looks at the force awakens and then he looks at the last jedi and he goes okay i'm gonna do all the stuff that the force awakens did i'm gonna avoid all of the things that the last jedi did that everybody got mad about and i'm gonna write a movie um and i'm gonna throw in a little bit of batman v superman and justice league because that's those are the only other two movies that i've really written i i so i don't know what i'm doing because i i'm i'm not the right person to do this and so he makes a really bad star wars movie right he writes a really bad star wars movie that jj then tries to execute and it doesn't work out for anybody i and then in the midst of that we've got rebels which is dave filoni looking at the mix and going like where's the balance on this and because it's episodic it goes up and down right there are some episodes that are like wow that's perfect star wars then there are episodes where you're like "Mm, these puffer pigs are a little bit silly um i and and also at the same time we've got something like freemaker adventures which doubles down on the kids stuff it double because it's lego star wars right it's slightly it gets to follow its own rules because of that but also it gets all of the star wars right it gets all of the star wars pitch perfect right and then adds another layer of lego silliness onto it that makes it its own unique thing so Andor comes along and and Tony Gilroy goes, I'm going to make Star Wars, but let's get rid of all this silly. No silly. Like, like maybe like once, twice in the season, you'll get a little bit of silly. We get a silly moment where the guy's like, like, hey, you owe me money. And then the big alien guy is like, is like, oof. And he's like, what, you're working with this guy? Don't work with this guy. Right. Like there's a there's a fun, silly moment there early on in the season but we don't really come back to any of that right like uh, uh as a matter of fact i think that ends up turning into a dark storyline by the end of the season right so <laughs> like like it's um he's got like the four components these four colors red green blue yellow to choose from and he goes i don't like yellow we're not going to put any yellow in this we'll put yellow in the first episode or the second episode we're not going to put it yellow in any of the rest of it. Right. And so like that to me, like, like all of that is to explain that's why Andor to me feels off because it, it it's just like, there's a, there is a, a key element of star Wars that you got to walk into the cantina and go, wait, wait, what? I'm sorry. There's a little, there's a little bat dude. And he's like, give me my drink. <laughs> why is there a little bat dude going hey give me my drink why is that why is that hammerhead slug talking to that werewolf right like what's like what is going on right now you know and and the reason why i can say that like that's not because some people go like oh that's just the technology that they had at the time that's just those are the masks that they had so they they had to go with their limitations or it's like yeah and then in 1997 george was like i'm gonna add a whole bunch of new stuff to this and you know what that stuff is uh as the speeder bike the swoop bike goes through most icely a jaw was gonna fall off a dinosaur <laughs> and swing and be like whoa 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 and a little flying droid's going to come up to another droid that's working and annoy it. And he's going to bonk it on the head. Right. And I'm going to add all these little rats scurrying about on the ground and, and that's fun. And then like, you know, like, like the Sarlacc pit burps, 
that's not a special edition, <laughs> right? That's in the original cut of Return of the Jedi. Yoda tosses everything out of Luke's uh, pack or whatever, like his his supplies, and then and then takes a bite of his little sausage stick, his little sausage ration, is like, oh my god, this is awful, and it's like. I'm sorry, you're a little frogman with pointy ears. And then they go back to his house and he's like, I'm going to give you some real food. And then Luke's like, this is awful. Don't That's forget the all... part where he and R2-D2 argue over a flashlight. and Yoda Over a flashlight. Out of him. Yeah, yeah. And and Luke literally says, "I'm like, give me back my lamp. I'm going to need that if, I can, if, if I'm going to get out of here. Really, Luke? The lamp is important? <laughs> I thought you were here to become a Jedi Knight, right? Like, Star Wars is dumb. I, I think I said that a couple weeks ago on on Force Perspectives, yeah, right? Dumb and fun. Like, <clears throat> Star Wars is dumb, and when you try and pretend that it's not, I don't think that's good Star Wars. I think that it can be very good storytelling, Andor is very good storytelling. But by my definition, and this is purely for me, and you can come along for the ride or not, but f- for me, what makes good Star Wars, it's got to be a little bit dumb. It's got you gotta have Poe turn to the dude and go, "That's Admiral Holdo," and then the dude goes, blah, 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 blah. and then he goes, "Battle of Kai, whatever belt Holdo," and he's like, blah, blah, blah. and you're like, "I does he understand him? Does he not understand him? Does it matter? It's a funny moment. It's funny, right? Like, <clears throat> Star Wars has to be has to understand that it's." absurd and ridiculous and that it is itself a fairy tale in order for it to to truly execute star wars in my opinion because you like if you take it too seriously you lose the magic and and like what's absent in andor the force is almost entirely absent Mm -hmm. it is a thing that gets vaguely referenced every couple episodes but it never plays an important role it never has any effect on anything um except for for those of us who who think of it as the living force and and are going like well all of this is you know the forces at play in all of these things right but even like you flip it over to a movie like solo which does not have force users in it uh, i mean maybe dryden voss right but and for Maul whatever that's worth i mean yeah Maul is in it but but he doesn't <laughs> know, but he does know, yeah he, he doesn't do anything right i'm teasing i'm teasing but but the force is absolutely at work in that movie and it's apparent in a in in a like multitude of ways in a ton of different scenes right even right down to um the only way that they pull off the heist at kessel right getting that stuff out of the mind is that l3 is this chaotic element. Well, why is L3 with Lando? Because of whatever reason, right? But like if L3 is not there, they don't get away with the spice if they are the, with the coaxium. If they don't get away with the coaxium, then Han, you know, like Dryden Voss and his his cronies come after Han and Han never takes Luke and Obi-Wan to the Death Star, right? Like the forces at work in that movie. Mm. Um like in so many different ways right like it's it's there even though it's even though it's not being channeled through a character it is Mm -hmm. still you know when every time han rolls the dice and i don't mean that in a literal way but even when he literally does but like every time that han goes like 
buckle up. I don't know if this is going to work, right? Like every time he does that, just like when Poe closes up those S foils on his X wing and flies inside the, the, um, the shield thing. I can't remember what it's called. The, the, the oscillator. oscillator. The oscillator. I don't know how right? you forgot it. They say it about 87 times in that uh, briefing scene. <clears throat> when he does that, when Han, when Han goes into the asteroid field and manages to make it through, right? Even and not not just that, like Lando, when Lando is flying inside of the Death Star, inside of the second Death Star, like they are absolutely channeling the Force. They just don't realize it, you know. There's a in 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 um Rise of Kylo Ren comic. There's a there's a moment where Luke is teaching some of the the Jedi, and and they're like this Jedi is like, Oh, I don't understand. Like, like it's like, I can't do it. I'm not that powerful in the force. And, and Luke is like, listen, the force is not a thing that you have or don't have. It's like, like your connection to the force is like a door. Right. And it's like for everybody, everybody has that door. And for some people that door is open and for other people, it's just a crack. Right. And what, what we do as jedi in training is we learn to open that door wider right like that's basically the lesson that he's getting across and, and and i think it's in relation to ben and it's like ben's door is wide open right like it's it's wide open to, and like he doesn't say it but like to his detriment he has unfettered access to the force right um which anakin did too right which is why he was able to do the things that he could do as a kid um, it's that Skywalker bloodline as, as, uh, uh, they refer to it. Right. And it's wide open for Ray as well. Right. But then for, there are these other characters where it's like, it's just, it is, it is open. Poe does use the force, right? Every time one of these characters is like, is like, Oh, I got a crazy plan. And then the crazy plan works. It's because like the force is with them. Right. And that's why characters who aren't Jedi say, May the force be with you. And then, you know, Akbar's like, may the force be with us. And then they go into battle and it is, you know? So, and or, like I said, if you took away the Star Wars window dressing, the fact that the force is not actively at play in that story is one of the reasons why I'm like, you just make this Blade Runner. Because Blade Runner obviously has none of that, right? A Blade Runner doesn't have like, I mean, Blade Runner has like a weird spiritual thing going through it, but, um, but that's like about the nature of existence. And I think therefore I am what's a sentient being who has a soul. Right. Whereas, you know, Star Wars, the force is like a, it's magic. Right. And there's no, there's no magic in that. And there's no magic in Andor to me. There are magical moments, you know, uh, but I, uh, uh, like when we see the, on Aldani, when we see the, all the meteors or whatever, the, 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 the lights thing. I can't remember what it's called, but the the thing that they use as cover to get away. But I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, it's just, it just never, it just never really gets there for me. Whereas, like, if if in two episodes we find out that Omega, the reason why she's special is that she's force sensitive. Um, I don't think that that would be out of place in Bad Batch. Right. I think we would go like, oh, cool. Like, oh, finally, 
we have a force user on the show. Like, oh, mm. the, you know, that thing that we've been missing. We keep we keep picking up these force users along the way every once in a while. But I, uh, but it would be like, oh, cool. She's she she's definitively force sensitive. And and by the way, the term force sensitive, I'm fairly certain came about in the decipher card game, <clears throat> and it was specifically to denote characters that were not Jedi, but that had access to force powers. And mm. the reason why that existed was for Han Solo because Han Solo's luck in that card game was treated as him tapping into the force, even though he didn't know it. So his card was labeled force sensitive. And like, I think that I, if, if I'm as far as I know, that's the first time that I ever read force sensitive was on a Han Solo card in the, in the, the decipher trading, the original star Wars trading card game. Um, so I think that's where the term came from. I, I don't know. Somebody asked Pablo, but, but I, I, I think that's where that came from. This episode has been less a conversation between you and I, and more uh, a series of sermons um, for an hour, but not know. about Pablo, <laughs> but, but ultimately about Pablo, right? No, like, I know. I know. It's a, uh, it all, if you, if you trace it back, if you started this episode over from the beginning and listened to like the first 20 minutes of it, you'll be like, okay, okay. That's what all that's about. Right. Like that's what, like, that's what Mike was talking about was all. Of I, these I, I know what I'm getting into when I ask you a question, Mike. It's, I know. And it's why I, like I know what I'm inviting with you. <laughs> it's you, you, I, you're <clears throat> listen, uh, my, my, my best co-hosts are the ones who just stand next to me and put gas in the engine and then rev it. And it's just like, okay, let's go. Uh, Cause that's what, that's, 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 that's when I have the most fun. And then I'll do an episode with someone like Carl and Carl's like, I want to talk about this now. And I'm like, geez, Carl, why are you on my podcast? If you want to talk, go talk on your podcast. <laughs> um, no. Uh, that's a that's a that is a joke for me and Carl, and he'll never hear it because he doesn't listen to this. Classic Carl. I uh, cool. I think that's it. I mean, like, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I feel like there wasn't much to say about the episode itself as much as there was to just appreciate what it's doing for yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah, I will. I will point out that once again this season, uh, Joel Aaron and and like the technical animators. We're like, oh, dude, like, let's so good. Let's take an opportunity to do something we ain't never done before. So that moment good. when the when the water overtakes the camera and we get the bubbles like the like the the surf hitting the camera and the bubbles coming up on the camera. I was like, oh, Joel, you guys had fun with that one. And then <laughs> and then it's immediately followed by like more of like the of like the water, like receding and all of this stuff happening. And you're just like, oh, man. This episode was like they got this and they went, that's going to be hard, <laughs> like in the way of like this, this, this will be fun. We will have fun with this. And they just like they just destroyed, which is ridiculous because we literally they even pointed out in the episode like like we've been on Topoka with these characters, like we've been on Camino with these characters and seen a whole lot of water. But then they were like, let's do something we've never done with this much water. Let's let's really pull out all the stops and that animation. It's um, that's like that's to me that's like Pixar feature quality 
animation that they're putting into a 22 minute i mean it was something like 30 something minutes i think mm. it was 38 minutes but you know what i mean like it's into like a half hour no i think this was a short right? one i think it was less than 30 minutes oh was this one shorter okay yeah. maybe it was last week that was like 38 but well um, i mean it was it might have been 30 minutes exactly but then you know credits and yeah, intro yeah. and all that, so it was probably only about 27 minutes 26 minutes something yeah like that. um but yeah, like for the scale of the story that they're telling, the amount of work they're putting into that animation is disproportionate to what we expect, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they nailed it. They crushed it. And they had to because it was important for the story, right? Um, you need to feel the power of that. You need to feel um, the the weight of that water. And they absolutely did it. It didn't feel like a cheat. I think that's the thing, is that sometimes with animation, you you feel it when we switch scale, right? Like when all of a sudden you go into, go, go watch some older clone Wars stuff and you'll feel it. You'll feel it when the scale switches up to like, you know, now we're into like starfighter battles uh, with like fleet ships and stuff. And it's like, okay, I can tell that the detail is not there on this stuff. Like these are meant to be seen from far away sort of thing. Um, But on, in this one, it was like, no, this felt like a real environment and that felt like real water. And it felt like you could zoom in and see the individual droplets. Like it mm. felt like it, it, yeah. it, like the detail on it, when it crashes against the seawall, you're just like, boy, it's a good thing that I like, like I literally was sitting there going, I hope they got everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like I, hope, I hope nobody <laughs> yeah. got left by. And then they, they like right after that, have a scene where, where the mayor is like, thankfully we got everybody out sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it like like man, they 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 destroyed, uh, pun intended, with that water. Like it just it felt devastating, um, mm-hmm. and it needed to. So, well done to them once again. You know, I I they get all sorts of awards in animation, right? But I just feel like it's one of those things where like it, because it's animation, it gets it gets overlooked. Mm. Um, when I really think that what Lucasfilm animation is doing is like, they, they really set the standard and then other, other shows come along and try and meet that. Right. And sometimes they meet and exceed, but, but I don't know. I think for the amount of content that Lucasfilm animation has put out over the years, like nobody comes close. Uh, that's my opinion, but, uh, uh, cool. Anything else? Can you get me started on anything else, or 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 are we wrapping this one up? I don't know, man. Um, three episodes left. What do you want to see? Um, I want to see other them than the rest- things we we other than the yeah. things we've predicted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like other than the things that we've kind of already, you know, are, are guessing where this is going to go. What do you want to see that you think yeah. there's a possibility we might not? I would like a hint at Omega being force sensitive. Okay. Um, there needs to be a reason for her to exist. I uh, aside from Boba, right? Because Bo- we know why Boba exists. Boba exists as a perfect duplicate of Django because Django requested it because he wanted a son. He wanted a legacy. And that's what Boba is. Right. Mm. Omega at the moment exists as a plot device for the bad batch 
right? She is absolutely her own character. I don't think that they disrespect the character in that, but I think that like, like at the moment, her purpose is to be Hunter's purpose, right? Which is, I think, unfair in the long run to Omega. I think it's okay for now, but in the long run, I think it's unfair to Omega. She needs to become something more than their mascot, if that makes sense. Sure. And I th- and I think that like a good way to do that is to hint that she is force sensitive, that there is a potential there. Um, maybe not like, oh, like one day she'll be a Jedi, but that the Kaminoans were experimenting with something and I, uh, and this is one of the places where like they kind of, maybe they kind of flew too close to the sun. And this is why the empire was like, this is why Palpatine was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. I can't, I can't allow this to continue unless it's, completely under my control and the Kaminoans are not under my control. So I'm going to shut this down. Right. So if we got some sort of an implication that like that, you know, um, that they, that they pulled it off. And I think the fact that they're on Tantus uh, or, or like that the base is Mount Tantus. Right. Um, and the connection to uh, Joris Saboth uh, or Kaboth or however you want to pronounce that. Um, like it, oh, wait like that, the the cloning facility you're talking about the where where the the where hemlock is now right like where the uh, that where the, that's someone pointed out to me that's not mount tantus that's a different planet i was it, positive that was mount tantus the cloning yeah. facility is not the same place that mount tantus is it's not the same planet mount tantus was i think okay. darrow and this other one is a different planet Oh, okay. So where Hemlock is is a different place, right? Which I, I mean, we've been saying for weeks. Oh yeah, Mount Tantus. Yeah, Mount I didn't, but it's not. I didn't, I didn't realize okay. that. I didn't clock that as a different location at yeah, all. Yeah, me neither. No, That's I'm with you. Interesting. I'm okay. with you. Okay. Well, in any case, I, I, th- I think that there's a possibility that we could be mining some of that territory. Mm-hmm. Um, that we that. And if that's the case, we could see some Thrawn stuff as well. Um, uh, mm. there, there is there is absolutely a possibility that the end of the season teases Thrawn, um, because we also know that Thrawn is probably going to play a part in Ahsoka, um, uh, because of what happened in Mando season two. So, I, I I mean, like that's the mission, right? They they're they're looking for Ezra, and Ezra was last seen with Thrawn. So. Thrawn is the target because there are rumors that he's out there. So, um, yeah, like I think, I think that they could have some connective tissue between the next season of, of bad batch and, uh, and Ahsoka. Um, that said, you know, we've got Hemlock and Hemlock. We might not want to muddy that with too many villains, but, but also Jennifer Corbett did tweet that thing. Like after, the clone conspiracy episode um like after that two-parter she tweeted you know like a hydra you cut off one head two will take its place and we've only gotten hemlock right yeah so to me it's like there's an implication there from that tweet that we have another villain that we haven't been introduced to yet so uh it could be thrawn it could be and and if if we went down an avenue where where Omega is force sensitive and the Kaminoans were experimenting with midichlorians and cloning and had a successful 
uh, subject, uh, then like, like the counter to that, you know, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it, right. Would be for us to see that, you know, one of those other, um, one of those other subjects, one of those other specimens that Hemlock was loading off of one of those ships could be a clone Jedi. Mm. Right. Um, I also think that this, this Jedi in, uh, in survivor, um, that's the bad guy seemingly is the bad guy based on the trailers. I do think that that's a clone. I, th- I think that that's the situation there. I think that he might be a clone of a high Republic Jedi like, that's what we might find out. Um, because there does seem to be sort of like a high Republic vibe to this guy. But I think that he, I think that there's like a, a cloning experiment gone wrong there because it, for those who haven't read heir to the empire or like any of that, that uh, Thrawn trilogy stuff, the, the storyline was that Palpatine was trying to figure out how to clone himself, which then, you know, dark empire goes into that as well. And, the problem is that you can't just create a clone of a force user. There's something about the force that like basically doesn't allow it. And the clone goes mad. They go, they become insane. So like you could take a Jedi who is a good Jedi clone them and the clone will turn evil. They'll turn to the dark side because they just tend that way because of the cloning process, something about it, right? Something about it corrupts them. Uh, and so like if you were going to do that story then then that would make sense to me but that is all like that's such like you know pie in the sky pipe dream stuff like there <laughs> we haven't really gotten anything other than tantis and the fact that thrawn is at play at this point in the in the timeline um that leads me to any of that it's just like be pretty cool if they did though <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah. like like that's all, that's really all that that is it's just like mm, that would be fun because because they have they have like repurposed a lot of legend stuff uh for stories uh in in this era right like the disney era like that's what the disney era has really been is like how much of the legend stuff can we borrow <clears throat> and tell new stories but with these familiar elements right um so I don't know. We could see that. I doubt it. But what if neat. I'm right? That mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, wrong. Nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. <laughs> we'll enjoy it. I uh, yeah. And here's the thing. I don't like the the Thrawn trilogy. <laughs> I oh really? I didn't, I didn't. I didn't like Thrawn as a character until he was introduced in Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. and Rebels wrote him as like a real character. Cause I feel like when, cause I've read heir to the empire and I haven't read the other two and heir to the empire drives me nuts because Thrawn is just like, he doesn't, um, there is no rhyme or reason for why he is able to do the things that he is able to do, except that in his introduction, in his introduction or like at some point early on in the book, I, 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 Peleon, walks in and he's like and they they like play they're playing like a game of chess or whatever star wars chess um it's not dejaric it's something else right but like it's a strategy game like chess and and it's all um it's Pelion's uh inner monologue and it's like him talking about like he can't i can't beat him he's always five steps ahead of me 
uh, he's a, like, he's a master of strategy and that's it. Like, like Timothy's on is like, that's enough. That's enough for me to tell you that, that Thrawn can predict that Luke will drop out of hyperspace in this system at this point in time because of these other things that happened. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't actually, like, if you stop and you think about it, that doesn't actually make sense. It's a lot like, um, like the dark Knight, where like, there's a bunch of stuff that Joker does in that movie that you're like, how does he have that knowledge? <laughs> how does he know that if he does this, that Batman's going to do that as well, because he's a chaotic element. What? That's not an explanation. That's not, that's the, it's but, but the dark Knight moves at such a clip doesn't stop. And the music throughout is just done. 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 And like, like, go watch that movie sometime and just listen to the music. Like, don't listen to any dialogue. Don't pay attention to anything else. Just like go wide eyed and listen to the music. It does not stop doing that for like 75% of the movie. There's just like this constant bed of just like, dun 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 dun. And it's like, and it keeps you like with this pressure so that you never stop and consider like, wait a second, this plot doesn't make any sense. This doesn't, no, the Joker can't actually do that. How did he pull that off? That does how did he get from there to over there in that amount of time? And it's just like, well, because he's, he's an agent of chaos. And it's like, that's not an explanation. These are not grounded movies. It's fine if they're not grounded movies, but don't tell me that the dark Knight is the most realistic Batman movie. Uh, because the Joker just blips from one side of the city to the other and somehow gets all these bombs onto fairies and, whatever and it's like and and thrawn is very similar he's written in a very similar fashion in my opinion i i know that other people don't feel that way this is not new for people who've been listening to the podcast for a long time (laughs) they've heard me say this a a few dozen times but then star wars rebels took that character and and wrote him incredibly well right um there's also the other line that thrawn has in 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 heir to the empire about like Oh, if you study a, a if you study a species art, you can then like know how they'll act tactically in a in a battle, right? And it's like, oh, okay, so racism then. That's that's <laughs> that's his superpower. Thrawn's superpower is racism. Okay. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. He looks at art and then goes, Because I looked at this art. I now know everything about this I've culture. Got you all figured out. <laughs> which means that I can predict what you're gonna do in a in a space battle. And it's like, okay, yeah. So he stereotypes people. Cool. 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 Yeah. Racism, space, racism, spacism. Uh, yeah. But they did a much better job on star Wars rebels of fleshing out that character and making him a real villain. Um, I'm not, I'm not arguing that point, but something about him in rebels was just like every time, they got away from him or like had a victory over him. They were like, Oh no, the the, the rebels. And he's just like, Oh, part of my plan. Like, all right, Thrawn. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's part of losing, getting your ass kicked all the time is part of your plan. Like when a, like when a cat falls and like, and like flips back up, like I meant to do that. This was (laughs) exactly what I wanted to do today. Um, cool. You did it again. And for the for the for the third time in this I episode, <laughs> I I we went for another twenty minutes. So thank you guys for listening. I'm just gonna <laughs> cut it off here because we got to record Force Perspectives okay. now and talk about Mando. 
I I thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. What's next week? Is next week tipping point? Uh, uh I don't, I don't is this cool but, uh, plan 99 or whatever is is the, is last, the last episode right yeah uh, i thought tipping point wasn't tipping point last week no no last no, week was, outpost was last week was outpost uh yeah uh, maybe maybe uh, it is tipping point uh, episodes episodes pabu is the one that we just watched show me all of the episodes imdb uh yeah, next week is tipping point. Okay, and then and then the last two are the summit, which is why we keep talking about them going back to Tantis. So we've got the summit and then Plan Ninety Nine. So um, tipping point, I think, is now very clear what that's referring to. And it's everything that we've talked about in this episode that we have set up Pabu now as their home. Uh, they, you know, Hunter feels like they don't have to run anymore, and the tipping point is going to be that the Empire comes for Pabu. I mm. if that's not the case now here's the thing I could go watch this episode right now uh, actually Ooh, I don't think I can cool guy. I don't I think maybe I, I I I think I may have actually lost access to all that stuff because it, it was sometime in March that um, oh, okay that that the access expired you want to hear something hilarious this is more for forced perspectives and I'll probably say it again on that one I got an email last night at twelve oh six as I'm watching the episode uh, from Disney where they're like uh we, here's access to the screener for this week's episode it's like i'm sorry i'm watching it right now Wait, what? I'm, I'm six minutes in what is the point of this um That's but i think it's so that they're like oh you don't have to pay for disney plus oh, like okay. as, as a sense. as an outlet if, like if you're not paying for disney plus here you should sure. have access okay. to it so that you can write a review but it's like come on who doesn't have access to disney plus these <laughs> days um so yeah anyways i i i there's just there's no predicting what disney pr is gonna do when they give uh, give me access to screeners because sometimes they'll give it to me six minutes after and it's like and in it's not wasn't a mistake in the email it's like the embargo or like you'll have access at midnight on march 15th and it's like i don't understand why <laughs> I'm, i started watching the episode like four minutes before midnight <laughs> because that's when it went up on disney plus so i don't know why i would wait for this screener access but anyways you can't give me screener access. Give it to me at nine o'clock the night before, please. Uh, so that I don't have to stay up late. Um, anyways. Yeah, I don't think I have tipping point anymore. So I, I all right, so I you're, back. you're back with the rest of us plebs. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I sacrificed that for you guys. I just want everybody to appreciate that. And on that note, thank you for listening. <laughs> And we'll be back next week to talk about Tipping Point. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again! Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more. <laughs>